I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Today's episode has been sponsored by Pediatrician in Your Pocket at dr-gen.com. Dr. Jennifer Trachtenberg is a mother of three and a 20-plus year pediatrician, board certified, who has called all of her amazing advice and made a series of five-minute videos on everything from feeding and sleeping to safety and all types of parenting issues, which basically every parent out there can use, especially in the middle of the night when you can't reach your pediatrician. So this is like a must do. And she's offering a discount to everyone with code PIP20. PIP20 20 is the code to get 20% off of all of her modules. So definitely go to dr-gen.com and check it out. It's also on a link in my website too, zibbyowens.com. I'm here today with author Julie Valerie, who is the debut novelist of Holly Banks' Full of Angst. She currently lives in Virginia with her college sweetheart husband and their four children. And by the way, we're being filmed today by Sandy Kenyon of ABC News. And hopefully you'll see a clip of us in the feature that he does about Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books soon. So welcome, Julie. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me, Zibby. Debut novelist. This is very exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. Yes, it's a very exciting time. So can you tell listeners, please, what Holly Banks Full of Angst is about. Absolutely. So Holly Banks Full of Angst is a laugh out loud debut novel that is was written for anyone who is trying to live the perfect life and learning the hard way. There's no such thing. And it features Holly Banks as the main character. She is a less than perfect mom searching for mostly happy and a pretty good life. I love the scene where she drives to school in her pajamas and it ends up as front page news in her community. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> that is where, can you, um, can I like the idea that that I would have to be like on the news for doing something like that. It's like so terrifying. (laughs) How did you come up with this idea? Is this reflective of your own community at all or? Well, so it's, it's tricky. I wouldn't say that anybody in particular in the novel is based on a specific person within my life. Everybody that my children go to school with are lovely and wonderful. There is no, (laughs) everybody wants to know who's Mary Margaret and are, are you Holly and is Jack your husband? And so, no, I would say that while specific moments or aspects of things and people and places and experiences I've had have inspired the novel, it is completely a work of fiction for sure. So you have four kids, two, your daughters are in college. How did you end up writing a book right now and why this book? Well, so I've always wanted to be a writer since I was very young. I'd fill up spiral notebooks, writing my own books. And I remember, I I can't believe I'm actually coming out with this, but I remember being in fourth or fifth grade and the teacher would assign a book report. And I was probably cheating or maybe this is the early seeds of being a writer, but I would completely make up the book. I'd make up the title. I would make up, we'd have to draw a picture of the cover. I'd make up the characters, exactly what happened. And somehow I always sailed through those assignments. So we get a hundred and everything else. So I was either so lying. Your teachers didn't figure out the books. They did, did not, not figure exist. it out. I was in the fourth, fourth grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, pulling this off. And I was either I say to myself, I was either lying, yes, of course, cheating, perhaps, yes, definitely, <laughs> or creating my first fictions. So I just it was my favorite assignment of all because I could create a book. I'd almost recommend to any teachers who may be listening to give their students that option because it would allow some of the writers within the room to create their first book. Through the book report. Okay, but if my kids are listening, do not create do not, fictitious right, book reports exactly. unless that's the assignment, please. I know, that is for sure. <laughs> Fast forward to college, and I remember very, probably the inciting incident for me that was the moment that I said, I need in, I need to find out what this is, what is writing fiction, and how do I do it? 
was a weekend during college. I was at a friend's house and I was reading Winnie the Pooh, the classic book written by A.A. Mill, not the, you know, Disney version of it. And I could not believe how real that fictional reality was. I had long ago given up the belief that my stuffed animals were real, that they were talking and walking, and that had left me in childhood. Yeah, that's good. That's true. That's very true. But through the pages of this book, Winnie the Pooh, a bear of very little brain, and Piglet with all of his anxieties, and Eeyore always losing his tail, they became absolutely real to me. And I couldn't believe that I was reconnecting with a part of my childhood that believed my own stuffed animals were real. And here I was in college, and it was happening all over again. I cried when Christopher Robin left the Hundred Acre Wood, and I needed to know how that happened, what alchemy was in place, because I picked up the book, and I remember kind of zeroing in on it and getting really, really close to the ink on paper, and I remember thinking, this is black ink on white paper. This is... 26 letters and a set of punctuation marks, and yet I have been completely and utterly transported into a time and place and into an absolute belief. All of these characters are real. They are all living and operating in their world, and I am now a part of it, and we're together. And I thought, what is this I want in? I and, love that, by yeah, the way. That's yeah. amazing. Thank you very much. That's the best description, that alchemy. Anyway, yeah, go on. The alchemy. Yeah, so I, I remember it was it changed my life. The reading of that book changed my life because I stood up from that book and that chair, and I said, I need to figure this out. So I just got way obsessive on studying everything I could about the craft, reading every book available. In all my free time, going to writers' conferences, going to writing classes, trying to figure out how it was done. And I started a manuscript that I maybe three months ago officially pulled out of storage and burned in a beautiful way. Now, it was the first manuscript. I call it my MFA. It was the manuscript. <laughs> it was the manuscript that has nothing to do with Holly Banks or the Village of Prim. It was the manuscript that I learned how to, that I learned my craft. It's where I made my mistakes. It's where I discovered, why I tried things and explored and made horrible mistakes. It's a terrible book. It's the type of manuscript that you hope, oh gosh, I hope nothing happens to me and they come upon it and they're going to wonder, what is this? This is terrible. My husband used to tell me when I would get frustrated with that manuscript, he would say, don't write that. That's not you. You should write what you're writing in your emails, because I had a number of emails about mom life that were funny and they were kind of going viral in our kind of social group. And he's like, you need to tap into that. That's what you resonates with you. That's you're a funny writer. And, you know, I was trying to write a serious novel, but I think I'm more for humorous novels. And he said, write what you write in your emails. And then I remember thinking, that is the craziest thing, looking at an email and saying, how do I take an email and build that into a whole storyline? But there was a kernel of something in there. I think it was a kernel of truth, the truth that I was living and my friends were living in motherhood that needed exploring. And so then I set the other manuscript aside after many, many years and started with my 26 letters and set of punctuation marks, black ink on white paper. And I just started letter by letter, word by word, building out the story that eventually became the first book in the Village of Prim series, Holly Banks Full of Angst. Oh, there, so there are more books. There are more books. It's all in my head. There's a whole village. There's multiple storylines. I have lots of books, you know, developed. Some of them are more fleshed out than others, but I see other women within the village having other storylines. And I'd really love to, especially in book two, 
the aftermath of book one, start to explore the relationships and the women and who they are and what their stories are. I love that. Yeah. Are they all going to rhyme? I don't think so. No. In fact, they, there is a title for book number two, and it is The Peculiar Fate of Holly Banks. So she does, Holly Banks carries the title in book one and book two. I'm not sure about what's going to happen yet for book three. So her name is in the title, but no, they are not uh, rhyming. No. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think maybe, I don't know, Holly Banks. Well, I'm going to yeah. start thinking about titles for you. Not Great. that you asked, but I'm going yes. to anyway. Great. Okay, so this fictitious village of Prim, mm-hmm. you've now, you have a whole community. You have worlds going on in your head. Yes. You've written this book, all of your letters. Then what happened? Did you send it out? Cold, like, how did you get it to be so, on the bookshelves? Well, very good question. So strange enough, the very first manuscript or the first writing of Holly Banks, Willow Banks was written in second person point of view with Mary Margaret as the only person speaking because hmm. she is a very difficult character to write and to get to get. Uh, correct. Um, I use her for satire. I use her to expose universe, you know, truths. I use her to look at, exploit, examine, explore things that we do to each other as women. Mm-hmm. I use her for humor. There's a lot of things happening with Mary Margaret. And she kind of came from a question I had in my mind of, is she in my head? Is Do we all have a little bit of Mary Margaret in our minds where we are trying to do our best, give our children the perfect life, live out the, you know, be the best mom ever. And it's that voice inside of our head that we need to silence. And Holly struggles with the voice of Mary Margaret. And Holly struggles with finding her own voice in the face of Mary Margaret. So I, I see Mary Margaret and Holly as aspects of, of like the mom personality or persona a little bit. I know that I've, I definitely relate to Holly Banks. I am as flawed as Holly and then some, but there's, I think, a little bit of Mary Margaret in all of us, at least in our wanting to pursue and the pursuit of perfection and wanting to do our best, but also beating ourselves up when we don't achieve what we set out to achieve. So she was a voice inside my head that I needed to hear. And so I wrote her in second person point of view. So it was only Mary Margaret. And there was no other character. I was imagining myself as the reader, as the other character. And so when she would speak to me, I would just put a couple of dash marks to hold the spot of how I would have responded to her. And I wrote an entire first draft just with Mary Margaret talking so I could hear what Mary Margaret wanted to say. Wow. So then I went in and rewrote the whole thing in first person, present tense, this time adding Holly so that I could understand who Holly was. And I, I, you know, became Holly and and the I point of view, I did this, I did that as Holly, so that I could get Holly's voice correct and mix her with Mary Margaret. And then... I eventually changed the first person present tense manuscript into third person past tense. Oh my gosh. So now so you've Holly, written this book like 50 times. I've written, yes, I've written and rewritten and rewritten and you know, hopefully honed the craft and captured the essence of two very different women who have to interact with each other. But I needed to hear the voices inside me. I needed to hear the parts of me that are Holly and the parts of me that are Mary Margaret. And I needed to explore motherhood and what it means to be a woman and how we Holly ourselves or how we marry Margaret ourselves or marry Margaret others. or So I just needed to explore those two women. And I ended up writing this book multiple times and in every single point of view that there is. And I even managed to go from present tense to past tense. Like it was crazy nuts. Yes. How do you, Julie, not as Holly or anybody else, how do you deal with 
like the constant pressure for perfection as a mom. I mean, I'm sure everybody has a Mary Margaret in their lives who makes them feel terrible. Right. So what, like, what do you do? So I can't say that I have figured it out, but in the writing of this book and watching Holly's journey, I have come to realize that I think we have some sensitive points. Like Holly's at a threshold. She has just moved to the village. So she is a fish out of water. She is an underdog. She has moved to a place that there are established hierarchies and rules and established families and people operating. So she has no idea where she is. She's feeling completely lost. And she is at a milestone in her daughter's life. It's the first week of kindergarten for Ella. So Holly is also facing letting her child go into this unknown world. And she's really not even equipped to guide Ella in this world because she is new as well. Mm -hmm. And I remember when my first child left me and went to school, left me, (laughs) uh, went to school. I remember feeling the dividing line that something had changed. You know, she had been, since she was born, she'd been mine. We, We did our, you know, our day together and I was kind of in control of the whole world. And then I let her go into the world. She hops on public transportation in the form of a bright yellow school bus. Off she goes into the school world where she's gone for the day. I don't know where she is, what she's doing. Is she okay? So the scene where Holly, where Ella's getting out of the car is mm-hmm. really important because sometimes that's extremely scary for a lot of children. They're leaving the safety yeah. of their mother. And so there's a lot of threshold. And I know for myself right now as a debut novelist, I'm at a threshold personally because in two weeks, that's my official pub date on my very first book. And so I feel like I'm putting Holly Banks full of angst onto a yellow school bus and sending her out into the world. And I know that I'm at a time where I'm more sensitive, a lot like Holly, mm-hmm. because I'm at that threshold and there is a milestone and I'm I'm an unsteady, I feel unsteady, it's uncertain waters. Will the world be kind to Holly? Will the world be kind to me? How do I navigate this? So when I feel nervous, I think to myself, well, what did you tell Holly when you were writing the book? And this is a book that at its core is about self-acceptance. This is a book that at its core says, You might consider giving up on the pursuit of perfection. It's not possible. It's not realistic. Quiet the voices inside your head. You are good enough. Do your best. Love your family fiercely, and you will be okay. Thank you. I feel you're talking to me. Yes, it's true. Oh, God, I'm glad. I'm glad. I was hoping Holly would be relatable. She's flawed, and she really takes a lot of punches in this first week, as we all do in life. That's what life does. But she she tries really hard, as I think most women do. It's a high-stakes game, motherhood, because we love our children fiercely. It's incredibly important. It's also an incredible task to take a very young person and then somehow mold them and shape them into a great person and see them into adulthood. And so we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to wish we could do things over, and we're going to hope for forgiveness, the kind of forgiveness Holly has to give her mother, Greta. She was a great character, too, by the way. I loved every time she came in. I felt like I was watching a sitcom, and I'm like, and the door would open, and in would walk Greta. I'm like, oh, good, (laughs) another scene with Greta. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Thank you so much. great. Thank you. You know, Holly's a film school mom, so she's graduated from film school, and it was important to me to try to capture a feeling of being on camera, a feeling of movies, a feeling of seeing this picture played out, you know, like on the big screen, because that is authentic to the main character. I was wondering when I read it, like, do you have a film school background? Like, do you want to do screenplays? Because you even have some of the dialogue formatted as a screenplay mixed in with the novel, which was really cool. Yeah, well, thank you. You You know, I get that asked asked that a lot. I I would say no. I I hate asking questions. I know, people get asked no, a lot. No, I'm no, sorry. I 
think I'll I think come because, up with a better one. Well, it's been it's been a lovely question because I think that the, what they're saying perhaps is it rings true to them that Holly, as a main character, had gone to film school and that they enjoyed the pieces of the novel that slips into screenwriting because the novel isn't told sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. There is text messages, there is emails from an online psychic, there is script writing, there's a recipe spelled backwards. So there's a lot of different devices used to tell the story. But no, I did not go to film school, but I will say that I do read screenplays and I love the craft of storytelling. So I will study commercials and try to figure out how a, you know, five second, 30 second commercial is told through storytelling. And I love watching other mediums. I'm, I'm practicing in the world of fiction and literature, but I also love watching movies and I love reading the screenplays. It's a great place to study dialogue, mm-hmm. to study pacing, to study story structure. So I learn a great deal from the work of others and I do study it deeply. So do you believe that writing amazing fiction is something that can be learned? It's something that can be taught and learned or that people just have that special alchemy that you referred to that to make words into sensational stories. But do you believe it's something that can be taught? I definitely believe it can be taught. I think that if you have the passion inside you and the burning desire, you might be able to strike some more chords with your reader, some universal truths and some authenticity. So certainly the passion helps. You need the passion to sustain yourself because this is, it takes a long time to write a novel. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why many first novels take many, many, many years. You have writers like myself who have gone deep and tried to learn everything there is about the craft and then still had to write their first book, which technically is their second book because the first book was just burned (laughs) in a bonfire. But they had to write this first book in first person, second person, and third person point of view. So there's that learning curve that always comes. So the passion, I think, sustains you. But I think that it can absolutely be taught. I think you should. Most of the learning comes in the actual writing. I would say to any writer, if you have questions or problems within your story or in your writing, The answer usually reveals itself during the process of writing. So writers write, get in and with the words, you will find the answers. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you find a publisher for this? Okay, so I ended up with a publisher that was my first choice publisher. So I had my all fingers and toes crossed when the subscri- when the submission went in. And so it came out good for me. And I'm very, very thrilled. I'm ex- extremely thrilled with the editor that I'm working with. She is phenomenal and I love my agent. So I really feel, I feel solid in the team that I have around me. So that's been fantastic. You know, debut novelist, I had no idea what was happening in the last year, you know, going through the different revisions, developmental edits, copy edits, the, you know, the cover coming together, the pre-publication promotions, just this whole experience of this last year. It's the first time I'm experiencing any, any of this. So, you know, it's a stepping out. I wrote this book in the middle of the night between 10 o'clock at night and four o'clock in the morning. And I would write it on the sidelines of, you know, um, baseball games, softball games, when my kids were doing activities, or if I was in carpool line, I would grab a few minutes. And so a lot of this was written in the wee hours of the night, in my pajamas, and very, very private moments. And all of a sudden, I'm now experiencing a very public experience around something that I did in a private space. Most of my friends don't even know I'm a writer. <laughs> I mean, my closest friends know, but in my mom, in my school, I think most of the moms have no idea. Interesting. They might find out. So they what, might find out. What is, your, what is like your biggest fear? This book is like about to come out in the world. Oh, like what do you, where what, do I begin? Like do you, what do you, yeah. what keeps you up at night? It all does. I wrote this book 
not for a wide audience, not for the marketplace, not for a large audience. I wrote this book with one person in mind. And whenever I talk about it, it makes me cry because she was my inspiration. She was who I was speaking to. She was why I gave up sleep. She was why I played with syntax and looked at all my words and slid them into different places and tried to figure out if I take this word and give it a different function in the sentence. Will she like it more? And that person, that woman is somebody I feel as if I'll never meet. She is the woman who has had a really bad day. She is a woman who needs a hug. She is a woman who needs to know. She is, this is why I always want to oh, cry. Okay. She okay. needs to know that she is loved and she is great and she's doing her best and that's all anybody can ask of her. And when I was writing the book, I wrote only to her, only to her, laser focused on her. And I thought to myself over the last, you know, months, definitely in the last year, I wonder if I'll know when I meet her thinking that she was a singular person. And I've come to realize, especially in the Instagram community of bookstagrammers who have been incredible and lovely to me. It's like they were like guardians and guides and sweet, sweet souls that I want to have a big slumber party with that have <laughs> kind of walked with me on this journey. I'm starting to realize that that woman I was speaking to, she pops up in different places. There was a review that was written that really touched me. And I thought, there's the seed of that woman I was writing for. There's a bookstagrammer that brought my book and introduced my book to Belle down in Disney. And I thought, there's the seed of that woman that I was writing for. So I'm starting to realize that while I wrote for one woman and I will always write for that one woman, she will appear to me in small pieces throughout my life and throughout this journey. And I love finding her. I love connecting with her because it's what feeds my soul and what inspires my every word. I mean, there are a lot of those women out there. Yeah, on any given day, I can be one, you yeah. can be one. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody has rough days, like rough days. you're speaking. Yes. And I love that, speaking to that one person, but yeah. she represents like all moms, all you know, That's everybody. the universal truth of yeah. motherhood. It's very difficult. It's a very difficult job. Again, it goes back to the high stakes. We desperately love our children. We desperately want to do a great job, but yeah. then we have to perform at that very high level day in and day out, every single minute for years and years and years, because God forbid we make a mistake or we're tired or we, or we snap at our kids or we forget a homework, you know, tuck yeah. something in the backpack. We sometimes think this is going to be catastrophic, you know, and we just all need to catch our breath. We need to be better resources for each other. We need to tap our inner Holly Banks, our inner spirit animal, you know, our sense of forgiveness and self-acceptance. We need to be kind to each other and support each other. So maybe it could be Holly Banks devoid of angst. Yes, a Holly Ranks with no, no angst. angst. Yeah, angst free exactly. That would be lovely. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> that would, that be, would nice. be great. Do you have any parting advice to aspiring authors? And I know you've already put a lot in there that I will certainly not forget. Oh, thank you. So I would say, and this is going to sound very strange, I would say beware of when you are thinking about the oak tree because that's not your job. Don't think of the oak tree. You have to focus on the acorn. The oak tree will overwhelm you. If you are an aspiring writer, as I am and will continue to be for the rest of my life, I would lose myself in bookstores and I would be surrounded by oak trees. I would be surrounded by finished trees that have been written and rewritten and have gone through a team and has been published and brought to market. And so you don't judge yourself against finished product. Don't judge your acorn against the oak tree. Also, the oak tree can be very overwhelming and, and oak trees happen and they begin by the acorns. So it's easier to control the acorn. It's smaller. You can hold it in your hand. You can carry it in your pocket. You can pull it out and you can, you know, acorn by acorn, letter by letter, 26 letters, a collection of punctuation marks, 
one word after the other, focus on the acorn and watch your thinking and your emotions because when the oak tree arrives and it starts to overwhelm you, you need to pull back and catch your breath and say, my job is this acorn. This acorn is all I am responsible for this moment, this word, this thought, this one reader, this one acorn, this one woman I'm speaking to. And you really need to pull it down into that simple, simple level. Otherwise, at least for me, I can be swallowed up by the oak tree. Wow. That was beautiful. Oh, you can tell you're you. a writer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, it comes from the heart. I can tell. Oh, That's thank you. also amazing. <laughs> well, thank you, Julie. Thanks for coming on Moms oh, Don't Have Time pleasure. to Read Books and for sharing not only your craft knowledge and the process, but all of this really, you know, energizing and from the heart mom advice, which... Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And the work that you do, Zabi, is so important. I yeah. love, love, love your podcast. I love listening to the conversations with the authors. You just really bring something very special to what you do. Your acorn is beautiful. Aww. Please continue. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> sweet. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, the award-winning podcast. Today's episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books was sponsored by Pediatrician in Your Pocket by Dr. Jennifer Trachtenberg, dr-gen.com. Enter code PIP20, PIP20, for 20% off of these can't-miss modules that will make your parenting life so much easier. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 